Hi everyone, I'm Josh. And I'm Jim. And this is the Dapper Meeple. This show is about our love of gaming, the games we play, and the gaming community around this passion. So pull up a chair, put on your favorite hat, and join us at the table. Hey kids, remember, this is an adult podcast and may contain adult language. Also, Dapper Meeple hat, not required. In this episode, we're going to look at some of our local game stores and what they're doing during the time of COVID so that we can keep our geek quotas filled. We'll also kick off our first Games We Play segment with a review of Roxley Games Combat Dice Roller, Dice Throne. And we'll look at a few projects that you can go and pledge to right now on our Kickstarter Roundup. All that and more on this episode of The Dapper Meeple. Welcome, everybody. Second episode. Thanks for joining us again. Coming to you now, fully vaccinated. Also, if you're thinking about not getting the vaccine, stop doing that. I would really like to get back to normal sooner rather than later. How's your week been? Not too bad. Uh, the vaccine that I got was a little rough. The first uh, couple days after it, uh, they were they were a little, little interesting. Fevers, chills, you know the usual. But all good now. Ready to go. Ready to get back in here, get some recording done. Talk about some of our favorite things and, of course, our favorite hobby. What we wanted to do on this episode is kind of talk about some of our local game stores that we have here, what they've been doing during this epidemic, and maybe look a little bit on why you should probably consider your local game store as an option when you're looking for new games. Obviously, this last year has been challenging for many small businesses across the board. Are the, all the mandates and things that they had to follow, as well as just trying to find new ways to reach their customers. Uh, with game stores especially, they relied on having a community built around their store. It was not so much a selling product as much as getting people to come to these events, play games in their store, just bringing people in the door. So when I go to a new place, like when we're visiting somewhere, even when we went back home, which our mother for a long time and our family, we were from Dallas, North Carolina, which is just south of Charlotte. We would go back to visit. And one thing that I realized and that I've noticed is that game stores don't advertise. Like you don't see billboards for game shops or any kind of advertisement on the radio or anything like that. How do you find a good local game store where you are? In the past, unfortunately, the places that I've lived in the upstate of South Carolina, game stores, the only way we found them was through word of mouth, by knowing other people who had gone to those game stores, or if perhaps you saw it as you were driving past. One of the largest stores that we had down there in Greenville was Boardwalk. Uh, excellent store, by all means, if you're ever anywhere in that area, pay them a visit to see what they have, see what they have going on. Uh, excellent run, looks beautiful. They just actually finished an expansion about a year ago to make the store even larger. I never saw any advertising or anything for them. The way I found out about them was from a friend whose dad went there two or three times a week. And it's the same thing around here. I've been in this area about 12 years now, and the Navy brought me up here, and I ended up just kind of staying in place, bouncing to a couple of different commands until I retired. And then settled up here in Virginia Beach. This area is known as the Hampton Roads area. It's Virginia Beach, Norfolk, uh, Newport News, Hampton, Suffolk. It's kind of a big area. So looking for game stores, we did some searches online. And there's a couple that we know about that are kind of 
the big ones in the area. Everybody knows them. And then we found a couple of smaller ones out there that we went and checked out just to see. But I think the big thing here is, you know, we've talked about in our first episode, this being a community. And I think with game stores, that's what keeps them alive is the people that come in there to find, you know, their cards, their magic, their Yu-Gi-Oh, the board games, the, you know, new releases. I especially like Wizards of the Coast when they started putting out all of the new fifth edition content. That originally, though, there are alternate covers for, I think, just about all the books that have been released that you can only get by going to your local game store. So it was kind of an extra incentive to buy it from there. And for the most part, I have liked all of the alternate covers way better than the original cover. I believe the one thing about game stores that is important just to put out front, you're going to be able to find a better price other places. Yep. I, that's, that's an assumed out the door. Everyone understands that. The point of going in supporting your local game store is to have a place that you can call your store. Um, unfortunately, there are a lot of places that don't have a local game store. Uh, friends of ours that live in South Dakota have to drive what, 30 minutes to an hour, something like that, just to get to a, a gaming store. We are fortunate, like he said, in this Hamptons Road area, there are quite a few within 20, 30 minutes of each other that we are able to go to and see and shop at. But with your game store, when you're supporting that store, you're making a place for other gamers to be able to come and build this community. Right. You're making uh, it possible for a place to have where you can not only meet new people, but you can experience new things. You can find out maybe even new, a new game that you like or a new passion that you want to step into. Uh, at the end of the day, you're really opening up this world to all sorts of people that you know, because it's no longer, you know, come over and try this game, but yet people off the street can go into these stores and can see kind of what this hobby is all about. And I know too, pre COVID around here, our big game stores always had something going on. Like there was a full calendar during the week and we're talking like, you know, Friday night magic or Sunday was D and D adventure league. There was Warhammer gaming, Pokemon, all the different card games, so they were running events. So it's not just, you know, if you like to play, if this is your hobby, now they're giving you a place to do it as well. So I think that's another big thing that reaches back into that community part of it and where I am a firm believer in supporting your local game shop whenever you can. Um, if I find something that I know I want, like I see a new game or something, I'm, I'm going to check this out. The first thing I try to do is get a hold of one of our local game shops and see if they have it or if they can get it. Um, I'd much rather put my money through them. And even if it's going to be a little bit more, because I can guarantee you that you'll be able to find it cheaper on Amazon or eBay or something. Sure, you can find it cheaper somewhere else, but giving that money, making sure to keep the doors open in the game shop helps fuel this passion. And hopefully, you know, more people will come in because they'll drive by and say, hey, game store, let me go check that out. Like we were talking about in packs in our last episode meeting all these new friends all of a sudden <laughs> it's the same kind of experiences you want to foster at the local game store so let's get into some of our local stores and we'll kind of run through them and talk about some of the things they do and are doing so the two big ones that are in our area atlantis uh, comics and games and tower of games atlantis there's two locations there's one in norfolk and one in portsmouth which is just a little bit kind of northwest here uh, they have been around for quite a while, and like I said, they're pretty well known. The Norfolk location is the one I'm most familiar with. That's kind of my go-to store in the area. 
if I want something, I will swing in there and check first. They've got a pretty good selection. There's card games, there's board games, there are a lot of the fantasy flight games there. They have a lot of D&Ds and different RPGs. There's a whole section of different RPG books. That's where I got the Star Wars, the Edge of the Empire stuff. I know they have a large section of miniatures as well from in the all back. sorts of different games and systems. Uh, they are very good about bringing new content into the store. Yeah. Uh, oftentimes when we get there, I can see a, either a board game or maybe a new expansion or something like that that's recently came out. A lot of times they will have that in stock. Another thing they do really well is their special ordering. Uh, I am a huge fan of a game called Marvel Champions. Uh, if you all have not heard of it, it is a living card game from Fantasy Flight, their newest one actually. It is growing very rapidly, about a new pack a month. Uh, they have been extremely helpful with getting the new content in. I basically placed a order with them that said whenever a new thing of Marvel Champions comes out, I want one. When it comes in, they let me know it's in. They tell me to come pick it up. I also usually go to the Norfolk store as well. But there have been times where they are able to transfer, if they have an item I'm looking for, from their Portsmouth location over to their Norfolk store in about a day. So either way, yep. they're very easy to work with, a very excellent store to do business with. Now, since COVID, there have been a lot of changes, and I think they were leaning really forward into a lot of stuff. Uh, they have a lot of online activity, uh, and we looked at their website and their Facebook page both to kind of get an idea. Now, they don't have an online store as far as I can find. Um, if you call them, they're definitely willing to help you out. They do have their eBay store, which they've been doing that pre-COVID. That's been a thing that's been going on for a while. So I think they just kind of carried that through. They do uh, Thursday night Digimon from home and Friday night magic from home where people are logging in through their Discord and through the magic arena. I know for magic, I'm not sure Digimon, but they must have some sort of online app that they're using to play. So they're still trying to encourage that community. Another thing that I really like that they do is the Facebook Live sales. Yes, I've joined in a couple of those just to kind of take a look at what they are, see what they have. From a business standpoint, it's an excellent way to help kind of move inventory when you have less people coming through your doors. From a consumer perspective, it's an excellent way to get some really good deals. A lot of the games and things that they have on there, uh, they range from special buys that they've had for customers bring in older games that trade into them uh, to new product to sometimes even product that's been out for a little while. But either way, they are always offering good deals on what they are putting on these live sales. They do something different every day of the week. Monday is like Meeple Monday, so it's all focused on board games. And then one of the days is Funko Pops, so it's all focused on that. So check out their Facebook page. We'll make sure to put it in the show notes as well. And if you're interested, uh, there's the whole rules on how they on how they do the sale and stuff. So you can follow along. One of the things they also do is they do like a paint night online. So you can go into the store, right, and pick up either WizKids or Reaper or whatever the product is they're going to use, one of the paint sets. And I think the one they're doing coming up next was like the Red Slot or something. So monster paint set, right, which is cool because it's a little bit bigger for those that are might be new into painting and are not really good at getting into the detail yet. So a bigger model to paint is great, but you pick up your pack and then you log in when they're airing, just like you would as if you're going to like a paint night at the store. So I like that. Um, I think that's pretty cool. I think that's still like breathing life into the community. Um, so I could really get behind that. 
when COVID hit, shipping was free in the Hampton Roads area if you bought something from them. And I think it's still going on. I'm not sure if there's a limit to it now, but I know that as soon as it hit, um, that was one of the steps that they took to kind of make sure that they were staying relevant and people were still able to look for what they wanted in their store. Right. There has been a, a lot of changes with COVID and people adapting, businesses having to kind of adjust the way that they do business. Uh, and I believe Atlantis has done really well with that. Their live sales are excellent. You can go on there and they will show the product there. Talk about it a little bit. Go through a couple things with it. Then you're able to comment into the chat if you want to buy it or not. Uh, making it very simple, very easy to do. Tower Games is another the other bigger stores in the area. And there's two locations as well. There's a Virginia Beach location and a Newport News location. I haven't seen the Newport News one, but I know that just opened here in the last couple of months. That's pretty recent. I do like Tower of Games. It reminds me of my store back home. That is one of the reasons. It's a pretty large open. They have a huge space there. Their selection is pretty varied. Uh, they have all sorts of things, board games, card games, the usual. They even have a small sub room that's dedicated just to miniatures uh, with a couple of tables and things that, although they're not playing on them now, hopefully once things begin to open back up, they'll be able to do that some more as well. Now, I know in the past I've been over there, and that little side room used to be like old cartridges, like Nintendo 64, uh, stuff like that. And I think they've kind of moved away from that, and they kind of taken that space and turned it more into the wargaming space, which I like. I think that's I think that fits. I'm hoping that it works out well for them. Um, there were some really nice wargame tables and some terrain and stuff sitting over there. Of course, it's probably just sitting there because nobody can touch it because we all have germs all over now, and that's a thing. But um, it does look like they're changing to kind of go in that route with it. I really like that that change, just the way it lays out. You walk into the, the actual like showroom, and they've got shelves up. Um, so lots of board games. They have uh, you know stacked up to the ceiling in a couple places. Uh, they also have a lot of magic and card games kind of behind the counter where you go to. And then your D&D, your tabletop RPG, along with all the minis and terrain, and which there's been a ton of that stuff coming out lately, which... As somebody who likes running games, but can't be around people, it's a little agonizing right now. Um, but I'm going to get there, and by the time I can run a game again, I'm going to have all sorts of great terrain. That is absolutely one thing that they have uh, that I noticed especially was the various uh, brands of miniatures and terrain and thing that they have. Another thing that they do, which I liked, is they have a terminal there where you can go to, you can search their location, their Newport News location, as well as their online sales for whatever item you are looking for. So that way, if it's not something that is housed at the Virginia Beach location per se, if they still have it in their database of product, they can get it to you, which I thought was excellent way to kind of open up the special ordering to people who maybe are not sure exactly what they are looking for, uh, but are more in the browsing stage of wanting to buy something. Right. Right. And it's a real clean looking store as well. Um, I like the just the aesthetic inside. Um, if you go further to the back, which I don't know if you've seen back there, they did have play tables in the back. There's a good amount of room for different games to be run back there as things are going on. For their online activities, uh, I think it's cool that they do have a YouTube channel and I've been kind of checking it out. It doesn't look like they post often. It looks like it's only started about four months ago. I mean, it looks like they're steady. They're steady posts on videos. And a lot of the videos are anything from how to play. They have a couple of introduction videos in there. 
for different games or different items that they're getting into the store. Uh, they have a couple, it looks like, staff favorites that they show up and let you take a look at and stuff on the video. And I like that. I mean, most people are visual as it is anyway, and I think that really could draw you know, people in taking a look and seeing, hey, we have this thing, and then maybe we'll go to the store and pick up said thing right there. I think that's pretty cool. That is one thing I, I do and think is is a wonderful idea is showing people um, these board games before they're even able to walk in. Obviously, there are tons of media out there that you can find for game reviews. You know, top tens are the hottest rage and have been for the past however many years. But to have a game store be able to put out content for what they actually have in their store, I think is an excellent idea and really allows customers to come in and see those items. Right. And they do, like I said, there's there's a couple videos I'm looking at it right now, tackling card games and beginner's guide to miniature painting. And I think that's great. Uh, you know, that's the store taking the initiative to reach out. Josh mentioned it earlier. They do have an online store as well. And looking through that, it looks like they have a lot of their products online. And you can shop their online store. And then there's also shop secondhand. For anybody that doesn't know, most game stores will take a trade-in. You know, if it's an old system you don't want to play anymore or an old game that you've got to bring in. Or I think especially with Magic and card games, there seems to be like a pretty good turnaround. Well, there's a lot of support uh, within the Magic community for older stuff uh, because Wizards actually supports through older formats like Legacy, Modern, that sort of thing, where you can bring in a lot of these older cards to make decks to play in these certain formats. So there's definitely a market for secondhand Magic cards because as new cards come out, sometimes older cards that may have not been as good or have been used will suddenly skyrocket because now they are in this deck that is the next hottest thing. Um, so it's very good to have that kind of presence online where if there's a specific card you're looking for, then it's great. You can come and find it or you can order it online. Uh, one thing about magic that's really interesting is a lot of people play what's called tabletop magic, where it's not in a professional setting. It's not like officially. They, it's just people playing around playing magic. So there's not an official rule set or anything like that. You use the cards you got. Um, but if you are a casual player like that, there's nothing wrong with that. You can find the cards that you need, especially on a website that has access to singles like that. I know that I enjoy just going to the game store. Like I'll make the trip to get out just to go do it. But uh, they have those options, and I think that's great. The next one that we know about in the area is Kaboom Comics. Kaboom Comics and Collectibles, I think is the official name. We haven't actually been over to Kaboom. They do have kind of a limited schedule. They're usually open from about 12 to 5 during the week. Right. We were able to kind of take a look at some of the things they offer. They seem to be mostly a magic-related store. So if you are into Magic the Gathering in the Hamptons Road area, maybe give them a check. See kind of what they're up to. They do appear also to have a cafe uh, in their store, which is very, very interesting. Not something you see very often with game stores. If it works, it works. It is definitely one of those places that we want to go check out eventually and see. Um, as neither of us really play a whole lot of Magic, I used to a lot, not so much anymore. Uh, it's one of those places that we haven't had a chance to swing by and check out yet. Check out their website. If you're local and you know about it, feel free to drop us a comment on Instagram or Facebook, and we will definitely look into it. Now, they do have some online activity as well. 
you can see both a sealed product and singles for magic. So you, if you want to check them out, take a look at that. Uh, they do have a free shipping policy on any purchases over 20 bucks. I'm interested in the cafe. Um, and that just comes from a fat guy. Um, I like that idea that actually like getting a decent meal at a place that you're playing. You don't see that a lot. Um, I know most of the time it's, you know, snacks behind the counter, if anything, something like that. Um, definitely not like a full kitchen type deal going. Yeah, I think that's something that I definitely haven't seen in mm-hmm. all the stores uh, that we've been to for sure. I know there are a few when I was playing Magic, there were a few of those late nights or especially midnight pre-releases. I would have killed to have a cafe in the store that we were playing in. This area is full of like new microbreweries and craft beer type places. And I think a lot of it is like military in this area is really huge. And they get out and then they just start making beer. But a lot of them, what they'll do is they'll have food trucks that come to the breweries. And I've looked at a couple of these places, you know, when we start opening back up again and we start being able to do this, having a food truck stop by in front of your game store for a couple hours while you're running a magic tournament or something. There's no way you don't make money at that. So I think that, you know, maybe that's an idea. Somebody make some phone calls and we'll see if that we can make that happen. The last game store that we know about in the area was Will-O-Wisp Gaming. Um, And we actually went to visit this one. So it took us about an hour drive to get there. Yeah, probably just under that, because it's located in historic downtown Suffolk. Uh, For those of you who are unfamiliar with the area, Suffolk is to the south of where we're located. It's pretty much the southernmost part of the Hamptons Roads area. Uh, Unfortunately, Suffolk is a rather large area as well. Uh, There's a lot of it contained in there, but this shop was located in downtown. Uh, They have a nice storefront uh, that we went in, were able to check it out. They are fairly recently opened. They actually opened in August, August correct, of last, last year? August of 2020, which, ballsy move. Let's see if it pays off, right? Like We're in the middle of a pandemic, and I'm going to open a game store. I, I absolutely applaud it. Anybody willing to take that jump, especially with the year that was 2020, more power to them. For what they have, it, it is a very good location. There is nothing else around there game store-wise. They are the only ones there. When we were there, there were actually quite a few people actually in the store playing Playing. Magic. Uh, We went on a Friday afternoon, so obviously they were gearing up for Friday Night Magic. They are still doing in-person stuff, that sort of thing. Of course, they have mask mandates, all that sort of good stuff. It's one of the only stores in the area actually still running things. Live events. Yeah. Right. They didn't have a whole lot of product um, when we went in there. And, And it's a small, rather small area. Like I said, it's in a... He said historic downtown Suffolk. Let me translate that. Old buildings, like think, you know, the old like 1940s downtown strip where all the buildings are right next to each other. And their storefront, you know, you've got the big glass windows that you kind of walk in between. And they've got some area where they had some decorations and they had some of the product up sitting up there. And then you walk in and it's it's kind of a narrow building or the space that they're in is narrow. And you had your play tables first. And then there was the racks off to the right with the product, you know, some shelves in there. Um, and then the cash register right in behind there for the space that they have. I like what they did with it. Like it's, it was definitely cool. I did find some things I was looking for a couple of expansions for the clank legacy acquisitions incorporated game. I picked those up while I was there. Um, but it does look like they're really focusing on the community side of it, like keeping things going, mask mandates and stuff are in place, of course, but they are still running live events. And if you go on their face or yeah, their Facebook page or their website that you can see their schedule. 
for the space that they have, they split it up almost not quite 50 50, but pretty close to that to be play area versus like retail space. But it's a very nice store. Everything's very clean, very organized. You can tell they are newer by the amount of product they had. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's one thing I think that kind of shows up with a a newer game store. I have a retail background Uh, from that. It can be tough starting a business, a retail business and getting product in the door just because of the initial investment. And normally you have to start small and kind of build up from there. And you can tell they're doing that, but the selection of stuff they have is definitely good stuff. Uh, Going through their board games and things like that, they are all or mostly very popular board games. They are ones that people are playing, people are talking about. Uh, My wife went with us. She even picked up a copy of Ticket to Ride while we were there, uh, the new Amsterdam version that came out. There are a a lot of good things going on with this store. If you are in that area, definitely go check them out. Uh, Like we said, they are doing some kind of live events almost every night of the week, as well as they do have a pretty good selection of stuff in the store. Yeah, I pulled up their website just so I have it in front of me here. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday is when they got stuff scheduled. Wednesday is Yu-Gi-Oh! Thursday is Force of Will. Friday is Magic the Gathering. Uh, Saturday is D&D, Pokemon, and Paint Night, and Sunday is Warhammer. So, hey, if any of those interest you, even if you're going to make a little bit of a drive, I would absolutely encourage you to go do that. Um, Check them out. Send them some business. Right, so that kind of wraps up our local game stores. If we missed any, or if you know of one that perhaps we didn't mention, give us a shout. Let us know, especially if you are in the Hampton Roads area. We would love to go check it out, kind of take a look at it, um, and support another store. Yeah, don't mind him. He's new here. But if you have a game shop in your area that is your go-to that you want to talk about, feel free to jump on our Facebook, you know, put a post up. Maybe we'll start putting a database together. I'm sure there's one out there somewhere, but if not, we'll make our own. Some of us travel. We're visiting new places. Like I said at the beginning of this, one of the hardest things for me to do is to find a good game shop. So if you have some that you want us to check out while we're moving around, I'll definitely be interested. And hey, with that... Let's start talking about games that we play. Dice Throne. Designed by Nate Chatelier and Manny Tremblay and published by Roxley Games. The first season of Dice Throne was released in 2018 with the second season following soon behind. It is a fast-paced dice-rolling combat game for two to six players. Each player chooses from one of 16 heroes that feel genuinely unique, with their own set of attacks, defensive moves, and powers to buff themselves and allies or weaken opponents. All of the heroes from both seasons are compatible and well-balanced. The game could be played 1v1, as teams, or in a free-for-all format. Each player takes a turn rolling their five dice in an attempt to activate their abilities that they'll use to attack rivals, protect themselves and allies, or apply effects. Players also accumulate combat points, which they use to play a variety of cards. The cards can manipulate the outcome of dice rolls, apply positive and negative status effects, or permanently upgrade hero abilities. Players keep track of their hit points, or team pool of hit points, and the last hero standing is the champion. This is one of my favorite games that we got a chance to try out while we were at PAX, as a matter of fact. I remember the first time they had a nice large area set up at PAX. They had two characters, the Barbarian and the Moon Elf. 
Those were the two you could sit down and play. The first game we played, we didn't even get to play all the way through because there were too many people wanting to try it. But I think after that first little playthrough, it it had our attention anyway. Yeah, so the way this breaks down is Season 1 came with eight characters originally. And it was in a single box. And if you go look at Instagram, I took some pictures so you can have a look there. And each character has their own playmat, like a nice thick cardboard playmat that has all their different abilities on it. And they have a card that comes with them that kind of explains those abilities, as well as what the different tokens that you have for each character. Now, some characters share tokens, like a couple of different characters can use the evade token, where it basically gives them a chance to roll. And depending on what they roll, they can completely dodge out of the way of damage. So there are some shared tokens in there, but each character has its own set of tokens that it uses. One of the things that I like is every character also comes with its own unique set of dice. All of them are six-sided. It's a five-dice set. They are all colored uniquely as well as have unique symbols on them that match the various iconography on their board. So with these dice, you are trying to use a Yahtzee mechanic in that you roll the dice and try to grab either a small straight, which is four dice in a row, a large straight, which is all five dice in a row, or uh, some various unique version of symbols and numbers and that sort of thing to all add up together. Right, like certain combinations. So let's look at the gunslinger as an example. She has five dice, all six-sided, and there are three different pictures on the dice. On your one, two, and three side is a bullet. On your four and five side, they call it a dash. It looks like a little person made out of electricity. And then a number six is a bullseye. So when you roll those dice, you're either going for the straight, or you may go for a certain ability that takes say two bullets and two bullseyes the bounty hunter ability and then depending on whichever one you roll that's the ability you can activate you get three chances normally to roll an ability activation once that happens anybody at the table could also play cards against you right the cards in this game have effects on everything from drawing more cards as well as to changing the dice rolls for yourself or another player at the table depending on the stage of the game that you are in the place in the turn as well as where the card can be played so not only are you trying to activate abilities to knock down your opponent's hit points you've got to play a little bit of strategy and play a little bit of bluff to see what they may have in their hand one of the hardest abilities to get is the ultimate ability each individual character has their own ultimate that does various different things normally it's a combination of a large amount of damage and all the status effects that they can produce either negative on their opponents or positive for themselves ultimates though are the most messed with role that is ever going to be rolled at a table but once it happens there's nothing that they can do to defend themselves they pretty much just take the brunt of the damage Whereas every character also has some sort of a defense where they can try to either mitigate damage coming in or even send some of that damage back out to somebody else. But once an ultimate is rolled, you're taking it. The other things of this game that I like are the intense back and forth nature of the game. Uh, It is a dueling game. You can either play one versus one, you can play as teams, or you can play in a battle royale type of game. All of the characters are asymmetric in that the only thing that they are similar on 
is the way that you roll the dice. Their powers are different. Their abilities they have, the status effects they can produce are different. There are some shared, but most of it is a unique mm-hmm. character across the board. So season one came out and it had eight characters in the box. And you bought the box that had all of them in that. And it was about, I want to say, about 75 bucks when I bought it. Season two came out and they did it a little bit differently. They had the battle chest where you could buy all of your characters at the same time. Or they broke them down into two character boxes. So you would get two characters and they were already established. Like the gunslinger and the samurai were together. Um, and they had four different boxes that you could buy for about 25 bucks each. Uh, I like that change. And we'll talk about that when we start talking about value. Um, they also went back and a lot of the artwork that they did was updated. The cards that you play with in season two, um, I like the look better. They're definitely an updated artwork style, but they still work with season one. You can play somebody from season one or season two. It doesn't matter. And there's no big advantage one way or the other. Like all of the characters are pretty well balanced if you know how to play them. Some are definitely more complicated to play. And there is a a rating in season two that you can see from one to five on how complicated a character is to play. I agree. I also like the way they split up season two with the two character packs. They are ready to go right out of the box. So if you have one pack, you and one other person can play. If you have some other packs or like we said before, it's completely interchangeable with season one. So you can just grab a couple heroes, however many players you got that are playing and then go to town. It makes it nice and easy as a very quick pick up and play. There is very little setup to it. Most of it is just getting the cards out, shuffling the cards and setting up your little player board. I would say five minutes in and out, you're ready to start playing because everything is packaged in its own little um, case, at least with season two, uh, which is a, a very nice addition. I thought they did as well in addition to the updated art that they did on the cards as well as on the player boards and things like that right right and season one they've gone back to and done season one re-rolled where they took that original box and broke it down into two characters a piece just like they did with season two as well as adding two more characters that i still haven't played the ninja and the treant um and they are they look good i'm excited to give them a try eventually i like that it's all kind of broken down that way now and you can kind of collect them as you go. The other upgrade that's come out is the Dice Throne Adventures, which I have on order. I'm waiting to get my hands on. And what this one is, is they actually added, it's an add-on to the game where you play cooperatively, kind of like a PvE type setup. You pick your character with someone else or a group, and you actually try to defeat other monsters using your dice throne abilities from my understanding it turns dice throne from a dueling type game into a almost a dungeon crawl experience is the way they kind of pitched it i like the idea i think it's great i'm excited to get our hands on it and give it a shot because i i like games with this yahtzee mechanic push your luck type of games a lot of the games that i have have some kind of similar feel to that I like that idea going against a uh, in a cooperative setting. Right. It kind of takes some of the the pressure off when you're playing each other, 
that one dice roll that can just mess everything up. It takes that off, and now it's a shared experience of trying to defeat this one person. You guys are still playing against the dice, but now it's no longer against each other. You are trying to work together. Right. In this game, which had previously been me versus you, or my team versus your team, or the free-for-all format, which can get a little crazy, becomes a cooperative experience with the same mechanics. I think that's really cool. Um, When that gets here, we'll give it a try, and we'll let you know. That is a very good evolution, I think, for this game. So let's step into the review and rating section of this games we play. Uh, We're going to give this game a rating based on five different categories. First is value. Second is components. Next is the actual gameplay, replayability, and then just an overall rating of what we think of the game. This is just our opinions of the game. This is not scientific. I'm drinking a beer while we're having this discussion. We'll be using like a 10-point scale. First one, value. Now, this has been a back and forth between us. Uh, And I'll tell you my point of view at first coming into this is I thought the value score should be pretty high because with the way that they broke it down, I found a lot of these individually, right? I bought season one and then season two I picked up as I went. So I was able to throw 25 bucks at it wherever I found it. And it was crazy because I didn't find most of these in a game store at all. I actually found them like in Barnes and Noble. Um, And I thought it was good. Like, you know, I have 25 bucks. I could throw down and take that home. And that gives me two characters. And then a couple weeks later or whenever, when I find another one, I can grab another one. So I kind of liked that, that you don't have to dive in, you know, with both feet right away and pick up the $75 box with all the heroes. But when you do spend the $25, you got two heroes to play. You've got a one-on-one game ready to go from there. I think at the $25 price point for what you get out of a single box, I think is good. The discussion that we have had before recording this was at where does that value begin to kind of fall off? Because at two boxes, you're at 50 bucks. Sure, you have four heroes now, so you have a lot more options as far as who you want to play. Um, You can also include two more friends to play, but there are a lot of other games at that or underneath that $50 price point that you can pick up right away and have four players play. True. Yep. Uh, that is some of the concern at the $25 price point though, for the game that this is, it's tough to find a game that will give you the kind of excitement and enjoyment. If you like these back and forth kind of games that are just a plain gotcha type game, right? It's tough to find that at 25 bucks for any other games. Right. So in regards to that, I, I think the value is probably a solid six uh, for, for me. Anyway, I think it's higher than it's higher than a median for sure, because at that twenty five dollar mark, I think you get a very good product. Um, my concern is as you begin to buy in to make a complete set, so to speak, that price tag begins to go up. And by all means, I'm no <laughs> I'm not afraid to spend a lot of money on games. I'm a couple hundred dollars into Marvel Champions, let's be honest. Right, right. But I think it's important to keep that in mind of what you're getting versus the other things that are out there on the market. And I definitely, I think I would probably rate it a little bit higher, maybe even a seven, maybe even an eight, just because you can kind of piece it together as you go. And you pick up, you know, two characters today, two characters the next week. You've got a lot of replayability in that, which we'll talk about here in just a second you're going to slowly kind of build your battle chest that way. So uh, I'll give you a seven. We can break on a seven. That's fine. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. Okay. Uh, that compromise. Um, so let's get into components. 
Uh, one of the things I love, of course, about this game are the individual dice that are unique to every character. I think that is, first of all, an excellent move on the designer's part. It sets them aside. You can obviously tell what dice you have for what character as you're sitting there playing by just picking up these dice. Oh, these are obviously for the gunslinger or obviously for, you know, the vampire lord, which whichever one it is, you can tell by the color scheme as well as the symbols on the dice. And each of the characters has individual cards as well. In season one, the original season one, the characters on the back of the cards in season two, it's just the dice throne logo. But when you flip them over, a lot of those cards are specific to the character because it is a permanent upgrade that you can play on top of one of your abilities and make it stronger, make your defense better, something like that. I like that. I like the boards, especially like the boards in season two. They fold out when you take them out of their individual packs and you have all your abilities laid out and they're usually they're cut in the shape of your character. I like just the aesthetic that is really cool. And then each character comes with a hit point counter. And a combat point counter where you keep track of your combat points that you actually use to activate your cards. So, and for each one of those, it's designed to match the character as well. So everything you get in the box with the character when you take that kit out is specific for that character. And I think it's a really great aesthetic and it looks good and it's easy to keep track of your stuff on the table. Nowadays with Kickstarter becoming the monster that it has been in relation to board games uh, i think it is sometimes overlooked how simple designs that are effective and they look good on the table how impressive they can be now on kickstarter it's all about those stretch goals and getting a thousand miniatures and all those sorts of things you know not calling out zombicide or anything but that's kind of what we we are used to and what we become accustomed to and then you pull out a game like dice throne which is in a but six by 12 box that has two characters in it. You open it up. They are each contained in their own little packs. The table space it takes up is less than a laptop. I mean, these are the kind of things that we're not, you don't really see a lot with newer games coming out, but everything just looks so clean and nice. Once you get it set up, it's very quick to use. I especially like, as I said, the dice and the boards. I love the art style, the way that looks. The materials are all very durable. Um, you've played this game, I mean, how many times now you've broken it out at work? Oh, yeah. we I took it to work for a three-month period. We really didn't have a whole lot going on, and we were playing just about every day. So, and, and looking at the collection now, you can't really tell that there was any wear and tear done on them, which is an excellent thing to say for a game that you were taking in and out of boxes, putting it away, that sort of thing. To not have any wear on it means that the components are very excellent quality. So how would you rate components? Uh, I would say I would give these components a solid eight. I think everything is nice, simple, it's clean, it's well made. Um, that's what you need from a game. It They do what they, uh, what they are made to do. There is really not a lot of confusion about them. The symbols on the dice are printed very well. You can obviously tell what each symbol is. Uh, just uh, overall, it's a very, very good good component quality right and the trays they come into are really easy um to keep all of your stuff in there i actually went in and sleeved the cards as well and there's enough room in the trays for all of your cards once they're sleeved and i like that um i hate when you sleeve something and then it just doesn't fit back in the box it drives me insane uh, so I, i'd agree with an eight 
maybe eight and a half, but it's right in there. Definitely. Gameplay. From my point of view, honestly, Dice Throne is not one of my favorites. Uh, it is a good game. I do enjoy playing it. Uh, it is one I like the speed of what you can play and the speed of setup and teardown is one of the things that I very much enjoy about it. Right. As far as the gameplay elements go, uh, they are pretty straightforward. It's a Yahtzee style rolling game. You know, you get your three rolls. The thing that sets it apart that I really enjoy is the use of combat points and the cards. Yes. Um, that's what really brings it to that next level for for me over just a, a general dice rolling type game. Yes, that is the part that I really enjoy in the game you may roll and activate an ability and you think you've got it and somebody drops a card that makes you have to like turn one of your dice to a different number or they make you have to match a dice to something else and you have to read the cards to make sure you're using a card where you're forcing somebody to do it and not allowing them to do it like some cards will say that the person has to re-roll one of their dice and then some of the cards will say you can use this on somebody else and they may change a dice if they want to. So you got to read your cards and know what you're doing. But that definitely brings a whole new strategic level to the game that I really enjoy for the gameplay. Where I've seen games, like I said, we've ran through this one pretty hard at work for a while. Some of the games that came right down to the wire and ended spectacularly because somebody played the right card at the right time. And now all of a sudden, out of nowhere, they have an ultimate. That is something in gameplay that the next point I wanted to bring up is this game does create those great moments at the table. There are a lot of games that do it and a lot of games create various moments at the table of excitement and frustration, which is something we talked about in the first episode. These type of moments in gaming are something we want to share with other people. That's why we want to bring people to the table. This game brings that. It allows you to have those moments where there's that tension, that things are tight. This game creates those moments of tension where it could come down to a single card play. Right. So gameplay seven, eight. I'd give I'd give it a solid seven. Okay. Uh, I I think there are games that are better. Uh, I for me anyway, for sure. There are games that do create these moments, I would say, a little bit better, maybe a little more attention than that. But when you're talking about a head-to-head game, yeah, this is one of the better ones that I've ever played. Replayability. I, I, there's no way this score gets any less than a 9 for me, um, off the bat. Out of this box, you're playing the same game every time, but it's a head-to-head competitive game. And you're going to be playing against different people. Different people are going to play different characters, different ways. And you have 18 now characters that you can play from that are all different. Um, I have my favorites. I like to play the monk. Um, I like his mechanic uh, where he will collect these points that he can use to increase damage or decrease damage incoming. Uh, The paladin I like playing, especially when I'm in a team. He does a lot of good team buffs. I like playing, anybody should like playing the Barbarian because it is a very simple character where you do two things, hit things and heal yourself, you know, so there's a lot of different strategies going into it. The Artificer is one of the more complicated ones. I like playing that kind of style if I'm really wanting to sit down and think it through because you've got to think two or three steps ahead when you're playing him. Um, You have bots, which are like pets that you bring out and you have to activate. Some of them heal you, some of them do more damage. 
So you kind of have to be thinking ahead. There's so many different ways to sit down and play this game because of all the different individual characters and how they play. I love the asymmetrical nature of the characters. Uh, that's been something that's been a trend in port gaming for a while that's become very popular is asymmetrical player powers. People love to do things that other people can't. That's really what it comes down to. And this game brings that in spades. It has uh, even just picking out two characters in the same box. They both are the way they play are completely different. Right. right. And I think that really adds to the replayability. Having now played this game, probably I'm probably close to 10 plays in uh, maybe just shy of that. I think I've probably played the same character maybe once. Each time I've been able to play a different character and just experience what that another one will do. And sure, you're still chucking dice and you're trying to match your symbols up and you're playing cards. That stays the same. But the abilities that you have, the things that you can do, the status effects you can both inflict or gain for yourself and your team is different with every single one of these characters. For me, that probably puts the replayability at a solid eight. Because I think for... For what this game is, I think personally I'm more of a co-op fan. Right. But for what it is and the head-to-head battle, that type of thing, the amount of different characters you can play and the way they play differently, again, solid eight for me. And I think Adventures may even bring that kind of up for the series as a whole. I was just about to – now what about we add Adventures? So, yeah. Because that kind of turns it on its head and puts it more in my wheelhouse of co-op games. But nonetheless, where we're at now before playing Adventures, again, replayability, I think, is a solid eight for me. So overall score um, with the value components, gameplay, replayability, all kind of added in together. Overall, I would I would go around an eight. I think, you know, just as an overall game, uh, I think it's been a lot of fun. I've introduced a lot of people to gaming through this one. Um, we had a blast when we were playing it the first time when we sat down and just kind of watching other people play as well. Uh, I think it's a good game for what it does. I think it's well-designed, and I think it's well-manufactured as well. Uh, So I would say overall, solid 8.5. I would probably go with 7.5, just because I'm hesitant to go too high on it because of where it is right now. Even an entry-level game, what you could describe that as. Uh, Because most people who have ever played board games have heard of Yahtzee, if not having played it. So when you get to tell people, just come in and chuck dice and we'll go from there. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty easy intro for most people. Sure. Um, So I think a seven and a half for me is good because that, again, it's a solid game. It's well made. Uh, Not one of my favorites necessarily, but for what it is, it is a very good game. Sounds good. So there you go, guys. That's what we think of Dice Throne. Uh, feel free again leave us comments let us know if you've played if you've got a favorite character if you've got a character that you think is broken uh, let us know and we're looking forward to hearing from you in this next segment we're going to take a look at a couple projects that have kind of caught our eye and share them with you some of them are in the process of being funded a couple of them sometimes will be funded Uh, But we want to kind of bring some to light that maybe you haven't heard of or haven't seen yet that are active on Kickstarter. So when you go on Kickstarter and you start looking around, which is a crowdfunding site, right now we found that there are 27,992 projects under the tabletop game tag. That is huge. 
nobody's going to be able to find them all, so we're just going to talk about the ones that we saw that we liked and tell you what you think. You can go check them out, and we'll make sure to put the links in the show description. There are many other various media out there that do talk about Kickstarter and bring up kind of the new and greatest projects. Most of what we talk about probably are not going to be those. They are going to be smaller projects that we see, maybe that are not funded yet, that could use a little bit of love. Just kind of exciting things that we saw that maybe even we're looking at backing ourselves. So in this week, one of the first things uh, that we want to talk about, uh, we have some accessories is what I'm going to basically categorize all these under uh, for various type of gaming. Uh, we have one of them that is a kind of a container for RPG gamers. Uh, we have another one that is specifically for those of you who have played the game Gloomhaven. Um, and then lastly, we have just a general upgrade kit um, by a well-known company called Meeple Source. So let's start out with the tabletop toolkit. Uh, these look really good. In the show notes, we'll make sure and post a link of all these as well to make it nice and easy for you to find what we're talking about. Uh, so this tabletop toolkit is an all-in-one toolkit for those of you who enjoy RPGs who take your stuff on the go. Obviously, right now, as we were talking earlier, in-person tabletop gaming is not happening as much as of course we would like but it is something we hope to get back to in the near future the tabletop toolkit is a all-in-one container for everything that your rpg needs could be if you go in the all-in kit there are three components to it one of them is a dice rolling tray the other one is a tray to that has two slots for your dice as well as a slot for pens or writing utensils and a small little carrying slot for a miniature for your character Lastly, there is a sheet with spell slot trackers on it for those of you who play casters and know how frustrating that can be. It opens up where you have that set aside and then it all packages together in a small, unique, compact box. I really like the look of these. And he's offering them right now. There are three different colors. There's a white, a gray, and a black. Um, keeping your stuff together at the table, especially if you're going somewhere else to play, is always a kind of a pain. So I really like the look of this one, and I've backed this one myself, and I went for the Onyx box with all the extras on it, because uh, that's the one that I like. So hopefully this one gets funded. Right. Currently, it is sitting at about 50% funding, so it could definitely use a little bit of love. Um, there are still 49 days to go on it, so there's still plenty of time to go um, as of the day we're recording this. So make sure you take a look at this one and see, especially if you are an RPG player, I think this is something that I would want to get to have separately from my normal RPG stuff, right? This is my travel kit, yeah, right? right? Something that I would use when I'm going somewhere, when I'm not playing at home or in an area that like I'm familiar with, like keep a set of dice in here, keep, you know, a miniature, whatever I need, and then I can just run and go with it. And it's a small family owned company out of Canada. Apparently it's, uh, the master craftsman, his wife, and his sister-in-law that have been gaming together for a while. And this is their kind of first step, it sounds like, reading into it. So go check this one out. They do have an Etsy shop as well that I looked into that has uh, quite a few other various uh, tabletop gaming accessories, uh, mostly centered around RPG-themed things. Uh, so it's definitely a shop that is worth checking out and a Kickstarter that is worth backing. Uh, currently the price for most of these start at $20 just for the base tray. 
uh, that you're able to carry things in. With the upgrades of the dice tray as well as the spell slot tracker, um, you're looking at approximately $40 plus shipping out the door, which for something like this is not a bad price at all. All right. Tell me about the Gloomhaven, Frosthaven character locker and dashboard. For those of you who have played Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, Jaws of the Lion, whatever iteration you've played, you know that it is very easy to have a huge table space taken up by your character board and all the things that you need to keep track of. From the cards that you are using, the cards you're playing, to the ones you are forgetting and discarding, there are a lot of stacks of things to keep track of. The reason why I like this Kickstarter project is it takes all of that, condenses it down, and has actual locations on this board for you to place your cards. Uh, As somebody who was a longtime Magic player, I enjoy having specific things in certain places, and Gloomhaven was kind of a tough game for me because of the way everything gets spread out very easily. So this keeps everything in a specific spot. Everything has a place that you're going to need from your character board, the cards you're playing, um, your health trackers, your mana trackers, all of those things um, are all together in one spot. The other thing that this Kickstarter does is it creates a locker for you to keep all of your stuff together. As you know, Gloomhaven is a campaign based game. So you play multiple games over multiple sessions to try and progress this campaign. What this character locker does is allow you to not only keep the important things you need to know, your experience levels, your health, all that sort of stuff, but it also allows you to keep all those things stored inside of this individual locker. Now, what this product looks like, it is a 3D printed product that is approximately about a foot wide, maybe about six inches long, but it keeps everything and has a spot for everything in it. Right. I see the little like number trackers here at the bottom. I'm just I'm looking over the product. Yeah, one of the things that the guy actually mentions in the Kickstarter is he printed up some of these and tried them out at his local game store. Because um, they have a Gloomhaven night where they come together and play. Uh, and he said they were a big hit there, as well as the store actually requested some of them to be able to sell in the store. Nice. So they have their, the store bought some of their own copies to be able to lend out when people are playing, as well as actually have them there to, to sell to customers who are interested. And this is one of those smaller Kickstarters as well. The goal is only $1,000, and he's at just under $700 uh, as it is. Of course, there are stretch goals. And as I'm flipping through them, the stretch goals are new colors that you can have your tray printed in. The first one that's going to unlock at 1250 is blue. 1500 is apple green, which I don't know why I'm so interested in that one. Purple unlocks at two grand. 2500, we get yellow. Uh, I've never played Gloomhaven. It's one that I've been kind of standing back watching and wanting to play, but I can definitely see the value of this. I yeah. like this. Price-wise, you're looking at $25 plus shipping for the for one character. Uh, he also has a $90 pledge for a full party of four, uh, which is excellent for those of you who would want to get a set to kind of keep for all of your friends and things like that if you have a full party wanting to play. Uh, these are compatible, of course, with Gloomhaven, Frosthaven, Jaws of the Lion, the whole nine yards, so you don't have to worry about that. Estimated delivery date is in April of 2022, so about a year. Um, from today currently the project is at 690 dollars with 19 days to go so go and take a look at it like i said 25 bucks is 
an excellent price for this. He also has, if you have access to a 3D printer, you can pledge $15 and he'll send you the STL file. So you can print it yourself, uh, which is remarkable. That's excellent. Um, good on him for doing that. Right. All right. Last up. Um, and I think we picked this one because we just kind of felt there was definitely a, a kindred soul here um, with the dapper Meeple. Uh, board game upgrades. Kits by Meeple Source. So for those of you who don't know, Meeple Source is a company that makes excellent board game upgrades. Uh, that is their whole their whole company is just that. Everything from custom design Meeples um, to upgraded coins and dice and chips and all sorts of things like that. Um, if you haven't ever visited their website, it's an excellent place to go. For those of you out there who are gamers who enjoy blinging out your games, which I know you all are out there, and I know some of you spend more money on the bling than you do on the game, and that's okay. This is the company for you. Uh, in this current Kickstarter, they have uh, quite a few new meeples they're introducing. Uh, some of them are to some of their existing lines. Uh, for instance, they have a few series for um, Scythe, Wingspan, and the West Kingdom trilogy. Uh, they offer some new meeples for each of those, um, as well as some for the Lords of Waterdeep, uh, Pandemic, the one of the expansions for that, Carcassonne, Concordia, and the Grand Austria Hotel are some of the other meeples that they're offering in this Kickstarter. Uh, Specifically, they have about it's about 10 or 15 games on here that you can go in and get Meeples directly for in this new series that they're running. A lot of times Meeple Source will introduce new Meeples this way. Uh, they've been doing it for a few of their lines now lately, um, but this is the kind of way they bring out some of their new product. Got it. I'm looking over their website right now. There's all sorts of things. I'm going to spend hours in here. I can already tell. Um Right. One of the things that I do like about um, I like about this product is it makes your game unique. Obviously, you can play a board game right out of the box that, you know, with the meeples that come pre-printed in it. But spending the extra money for these kind of things um, is something that I enjoy doing. For instance, uh, there's a game called Flashpoint Fire Rescue. Um, it is a cooperative game about your firefighters inside of a burning house. Um, and there are flame and smoke tokens in the game that represent the rooms that are on fire or about to be on fire. The tokens that come in the original game are just round cardboard pieces. Um, I actually picked up a set of smoke and flame tokens that are 3d printed. They are a like see-through colored plastic where the smoke tokens lay flat and the fire tokens actually sit inside of them and stand up. So excellent additions like that. That's what this company's all about. Um, if you go through their current Kickstarter, if you have any of those games that I mentioned, plus there are even more on the Kickstarter that you can take a look at. Um, this is definitely something for you to check out. They are already fully funded um, and then some. So this is definitely a project that they will be finishing and mailing out. So there are still 19 days to go on this project. So if you want to take a look at that, if you have one of those games again and are looking to add a little bit of extra to it, this would be something for you to take a look at. And so that is our Kickstarter roundup. So I definitely want this to be a reoccurring segment. So you guys will see more Kickstarter roundup. As a small operation just starting out, I think we really want to highlight some of these smaller companies too. 
So in our future Kickstarter roundups, just as we did today, we'll probably look at bringing to light some of these small, maybe even family owned businesses that this might be their first project they're just putting out there uh, to really try and get some support behind. Sounds good. That was a lot of good information, a lot of good experience for everyone. And with that play, that puts us to level 10 and this game is over. Thank you guys for joining us again for the Dapper Meeple. I am one of your charming co-hosts, Jim. And I'm Josh. Good night, everybody. Thanks, everyone, for sticking around and listening to our show. Hey, if you enjoyed what we're doing here, follow us and leave a like. It really helps us out. And if you have anything to say back to us, you can find us on Instagram or Facebook at the Dapper Meeple or at dappermeeplegaming at gmail.com. And as always, we'll save you a seat at the table.